It's uh, great to be with you this morning to have the opportunity to share the Word of God. We're coming to the last in our series in John's Gospel. And, but first of all, I want to say a big thank you to all those who've been praying for me over the last few weeks, and uh, in fact, probably the last couple of years. Many of you know that I've had a, a problem with my, um, if you want the correct term, the lower sphincter of my esophagus. Basically, it wasn't working. So I had great problems in swallowing and having to force food down for two and a half years. And I had operation on November the 15th in St. Thomas's, and praise God, I can swallow. <laughs> Such a joy to be able to eat and not think about what's about to happen. You know, uh, just such a joy. I'm now back on to um, eating solid foods. I've been doing that now for the last week. And, and just the joy of just it, it's going through. I don't have to suddenly drink a glass of water and swallow hard and make it go down. And I'm so grateful to consultants and physicians and nurses and so on. And uh, what a, a joy. Um, so thank you to all of those who have been praying. And uh, I really thank you for your prayers. And it's been, in some ways, a strange time. There have been battles through those times, particularly in the early days when I didn't know what was going on, some really dark times. And you know how the word of God sustains us, doesn't it? It speaks to our souls, and, 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 and sometimes words that are given prophetic words and so on. And, and one word that, has, that I, I've hung on to is that, that word out of the Psalms, I shall not die, but I shall live to declare your work, O God. Uh, I think Barney was talking last week about the battle that we're in, and sometimes it did seem like that, a battle. And I've had those occasions throughout my life where it seems the enemy has closed in, and I'm going to get you, I'm going to take you out. But we live by the word of God, don't we? And his word speaks to us, and it, it, it sustains us. So thank you, thank you very much. This morning's subject is one of legacy and uh, how can my life find meaning? In some ways, they're two separate things, but in some ways, they are uh, tied together as well. Uh, particularly when we are younger, we perhaps think about what is life? What, what, what is life all about? How am I to live? Um, and then as you get older, as I am now, and I find myself re reflecting further back on memories, and oh my goodness, that was a long time ago, you know, you begin to think of legacy. Uh, that aspect of what am I leaving behind? Not that I want to make a name for myself, but what am I leaving behind? What deposit am I leaving in other people's lives that will help them to know Jesus, to, to keep walking with him, to go on serving him, etc., etc.? I don't know whether those questions ever cross your mind. I hope they do, because they are valuable to ask those questions. Uh, what is life all about? What is life all about? It's a big question that the world seeks to explore in so many different ways. And, and then, again, what is, what is the legacy that I'm going to, to leave? What is the legacy that I will leave after I'm gone? Today, many are obsessed with making a name for themselves, um, with, with being a star of some sort or other, with getting the most out of life. And you only have to look at your televisions to realize that. And, and, and the sad thing about so many in the younger generation, I want to be star. You know, I, I want the glamour. I want the glitz, etc. And uh, many even believe that the world owes them something. And that's something that 
just reading some of the stuff just recently coming out of reviewing the whole episode through COVID, this, this kind of sense now that, well, the world owes me something. And expecting to get something for nothing. Many, of course, just live for the moment. Can't be sure of anything else. I'm going to live for the moment. I'm going to enjoy the moment as best I can. And Many want to be remembered for themselves, for themselves when they're gone. Not for what they've invested in people's lives, but they want to be remembered as a name, as it were. What a great person they were, etc., etc. And it goes really with the, the self-obsessed absorption of our generation. That generation we find ourselves where everything seems to be about me, about the individual, about the I. A generation taken up with how they look, a generation taken out, up with what they've got, a generation absorbed in its own feelings. It's strange, isn't it? You could step back a few years ago, maybe a generation, and people didn't talk about feelings. They weren't absorbed with feelings. Now we seem to have swung the other, day, other way where everybody's absorbed by their feelings and how's this affecting me in one way or another? You see it evidenced all over social media. It also goes with the closed world, the idea that this is all that there is. A world that is godless, a world that is materialistic, a world in which self is king. So if that's the case, why not just eat, drink and be merry? Because tomorrow we die. Live for self in the present moment because tomorrow we die. But when we we turn to the Bible, when we turn to the Scriptures, we discover... Uh, as I was saying at, the, at uh, Rose's uh, c- celebration of her life the other day, uh, when we turn to the Bible, we discover a world that is so much bigger, so much more beautiful, so much more bountiful than that. And the sad fact of the matter is so many have their, their, they're looking within a closed world, a world that's framed by the philosophies, the, uh, the, the media that is out there. But it's a far bigger, far more beautiful and bountiful world than that. It speaks of time and eternity. It speaks of an eternal God who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, a holy, happy community of loving persons who who created the world for the joy of it. When God created humanity, he created humanity for the joy of it. I wonder if we really think about that, that God created this world out of the the loving community of his being, that holy, happy community. It it wants to express itself in some way or other. It wants to share itself in some way or other. And so God creates a world. He creates a a planet in which it's ideal for us to dwell. And we've been exploring. I I was reading all about Voyager the other day. How many of you remember Voyager? Yeah, Voyagers 1 and 2. Sent up, what was it, back in the 70s? Gone right now out of, the, out of our solar system and, and the stuff that they've been feeding back in different ways. Well, this is the only inhabited planet so far that can be found. <laughs> Fancy that? Absolutely. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Yeah. He created humanity in his image because he was a God of love. He designed this place especially for us. And what an amazing world it is. It speaks about how he loved us so much that he came down when we messed it all up in the person of Jesus. He took on 
human flesh, flesh just like yours and just like mine. And, and he lived here. And he, he came up against all that the enemy could throw at him. And he beat him at every turn. Wow. What, what a God. And we've been worshipping him this morning. And the words in, in those songs, so, so delightful. So delightful indeed. I just want to read to you from the scripture here in John 20. John 20 and verse 19. That Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. And suddenly, Jesus was standing there and he said, as he spoke, he showed them the wounds in his hands and his side. And they were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. Again, he said, peace be with you. As I am sending you, sorry, I can't read up there very well. Then he, he, as, as the Father sent me, so I'm sending you. Then he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. A staggering scripture. Staggering scripture indeed. Jesus had been crucified. Jesus was risen from the dead. They weren't quite sure what was going on. And suddenly he appears in their midst. And the first word he speaks to them is one of peace. Maybe there's someone here this morning who just needs to hear that word being spoken into their heart. Hear Jesus saying to you, peace be with you. In your confusing situation, and they were in a confusing situation, they were trying to work out what was going on. They were believers in and followers of him, but they, they can't, couldn't quite get their head around it. And Jesus stands there and he says, peace be with you. Might be that somebody here this morning who just needs to hear that. The words of Jesus is saying, peace be with you. But you know there's another side to that as well. You need to receive it. You need to receive it. So receive that peace that he offers you this morning. But then you look at this and it says, Jesus says to them, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. I mean, that is quite something, isn't it? That Jesus is saying to them, now, as the Father has sent me, now I am sending you. Wow, what a mission. And then he says to them to receive the Holy Spirit. He breathed on, on them. We haven't got time to go into all the dynamics of these, this passage, but... It says he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. And the word there again is not simply that he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. But in the Greek, it means that we also need to receive what he's giving. You see, he, he could speak to them and, if you like, offer the Holy Spirit. But if they weren't in a place of receiving, it was going to make no difference to them. And the Greek has that sense of meaning whereby... He says, receive the Holy Spirit. Take to yourself the gift that I am giving you. 
But I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself. And in many ways, when you look at this particular portion of Scripture, it's a, it's a bit like uh, a graduation ceremony uh, as well as a commissioning ceremony. They have been with Jesus for three years during his ministry. They have watched him. They have listened to him. Uh, they have worked alongside him. He has taught them in so many different ways. Uh, so when you, when you look at this, they, they, they have been with him, as it were, in class. There have been times when they were all together and they learned from him. There were times when he spoke to them individually. There were times when it was in private. There were times when he took them out and they, he sent them out in twos and, and they did mission together and all of that kind of thing. There's a whole lot there that we could consider but we don't have time to this morning. But so in many ways, this was a moment of graduation. They had been with him three years, learning of him, observing him, uh, watching him and working alongside him. God had sent Jesus and Jesus is now commissioning them to go and do what the Father had sent him to do. So the question arises, what was that all about? God had sent Jesus, number one, to reveal the Father and his great love for the world. God so loved the world, says John 3.16. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shouldn't perish but have everlasting life. Jesus' primary task was to reveal the Father. They believed in God in all sorts of ways, but they didn't quite get the Father heart of God, not even those who were called to be his people. They believed in a holy and a majestic God, a mighty God, a powerful God. And they had experience of his, of his love and mercy and grace. But Jesus comes to reveal the heart of the Father. He comes to, to make him known. So that actually at times when we read the story, we go through the Gospels, we find it quite shocking for the religious people because they had never imagined God in this way. In many ways, God was there, but he was at a distance. God was holy and mighty and powerful. But this sense of a, a loving father. So when Jesus says, when you pray, say, our father. When you pray, say, our father. I grew up in a tradition where we very often prayed, God almighty, holy, majestic, glorious, wonderful. But it lifted up the magnificence of God, which is, has its place. I can remember one day, the first time I was in a church, and I heard somebody say, simply, our Father. It's like shocked me, and I thought, I'd never been taught to pray like that. Our Father, who is in the heavens, hallowed be your name, etc. So he comes to reveal the Father and his great love for the world, that this love was not just for them, but it was for, the, for the, all the nations of the earth. And then secondly, he comes to destroy all the works of the devil. He comes to destroy everything that it set itself up against God's purposes in creation. And that's a staggering thought, that Jesus... The second person of the Trinity steps into our humanity to take on Satan, sin, death, and hell and destroy them. 
And that's the staggering thing, isn't it? That in order to do this, he, he humbles himself. You think of Philippians chapter 2 and how Jesus, though he was equal with God, he didn't grasp onto that. And that's what we're thinking of at this Christmas time, isn't it? That he humbles himself and he takes on flesh just like ours. I'm getting on a little bit. Not a lot, but getting on a little bit. Going through the years, but Christmas never ceases to amaze me. That God should incarnate himself in flesh just like ours. Right down to being within a mother's womb. I don't fully comprehend that, but he did it, you know. And then he was born, real baby, away in a manger, no crib for a bed. Where's the song go wrong? No crying he makes. He made a lot of crying because he was a real baby, yeah. So it never ceases to amaze me that thinking of the Christmas story, how Jesus humbles himself to the will of the Father. And throughout his life, he is constantly seeking the mind and heart of the Father. And he will only do what he sees and hears the Father doing. And he does it. He demonstrates his heart of the Father through, through acts of love and compassion and mercy by forgiving sinners, by healing the sick, by delivering the bound, by multiplying provisions, by speaking to injustice and ultimately bringing reconciliation through his death on the cross, defeating all that was opposed to God's purposes. Gospel is staggering, isn't it? It's absolutely staggering. And he calls us to follow in his footsteps. He commissions us in the same way. As the Father has sent me, so send I you. Jesus modelled a very different way of living, a way where the focus wasn't on self, position and power, but on knowing and loving God. Humility of service along with loving sacrifice for the other. So how do we think about our lives? What, what, how do we think about the meaning of life? How do we think about our legacy? And it's a much bigger subject than I could ever touch this morning. Very simply, let's just try and answer that question. Number one, through believing in Jesus. I want to ask you this morning, do you know him? Do you know Jesus Christ is your personal Lord and Saviour. Those going through the waters of baptism this morning are making that testimony. They're saying, yes, I have encountered Christ. Yes, I believe in him. Yes, I am committing my all to him. And through going through this act of obedience, they're taking that first step in that life. And so there you have the second step, being baptised as an act of obedience. It's funny how the devil contests this one. Oh, you're not ready yet. Oh, you, you need to be a bit holier yet. Oh, you need to go to church a bit more yet. No, it says the moment that you become a Christian, it says believe and be baptised. 
don't hang around. If The devil will get you to hang around if he can on any point of the Christian life. And so the answer is, get the better of him. Obey God. Obey the scriptures. Sometimes I've known people say, I'm waiting for that to know the will of God. Well, I, I can tell you, I, I, it's here in this book, isn't it? Repent, believe, be baptized. And then the next thing is to be filled with the Holy Spirit. That's the next thing. Be filled with the Spirit because you can't do this on your own. And, and there, there you are. These disciples have been with Jesus for, for three years. He, they'd had the best teaching you could possibly have. They'd had the best demonstrations of how to do it you could possibly have. And what do you find on this particular day? They're locked away in a room for fear of the Jews. Fear can encroach on our lives, and it may be that fear has encroached on your life, and there have been times I have known that when fear has encroached, and I think, oh my God, you know, I, I feel like Timothy sometimes, I feel timid, you know, and I have to hear the word of God, uh, the, the scriptures where it says, you know, that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of love and of power and a sound mind. Brothers and sisters, sometimes we have to fight and we fight with the word of God, but we need to be filled with the Spirit. I want to ask you this morning, you're looking for the meaning of life, you're looking to leave a legacy, you need to be filled with the Spirit. Do you know the dynamic power of the Holy Spirit in your life? Have you been filled? Are you being filled? That's a big subject in itself. And then fourthly, through living in fellowship with God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Do you fellowship the Trinity? Because God made us for that. Do you know what it is to get into his presence and just delight in him and enjoy him for who he is and then for what he's done and then for what he wants to do? Fellowship, it's so important. Fellowship with God. Jesus fellowshiped him day by day in so many different ways. Through prayer and the word, by committing to the gathered community, through daily obedience, that daily pursuit of his will. You know, the enemy will try to deflect you, deflect you if he can. And you need to have that resolve of mind, I am daily committed to his will. Daily, moment by moment, committed to discovering his will and working it out. By loving one another, do you know, if we don't love our brothers and sisters, how can we possibly love the world? And Jesus said that by this shall all men know that you are my disciples if you love one another. How good are you at loving your brothers and sisters in Christ? By developing a servant heart. This is a staggering thing when you look at the life of Jesus. That he humbled himself. That he took a bowl of water and a towel and he washed his disciples' feet. Willing to humble himself. He said, I, I came to serve, not to be served. We live in a generation that wants to be served. But Jesus said, I came to serve, not to be served. If you want to be served, it's about you making a name for yourself, thinking you're up here somewhere and people should be serving you. Yeah by being conformed to the image of Christ and a commitment to discover his purpose in everything. My time is gone. A commitment, do you hear that? To discover his purpose in everything. Unless you're in sin at this moment in time, you are where God wants you to be. Do you understand? Do you hear that? 
Because so often we can be looking over the wall saying, God, I need to be doing something. And God says, I've got you where I want you to be. Do something. Huh? Perhaps you don't think like me. But I do that kind of thing occasionally, you know? You are where God wants you to be. So to discover what it is God wants you to do in that situation. Let's stand, shall we? Our God and Father, I... We've only just scratched the surface of this subject. They're big questions. What is the meaning of life? What's what's its purpose? What is the legacy that I will leave? Lord, I pray that each one of us, by your Holy Spirit, would search our own hearts and minds. That we might know you, whom to know is life eternal. So if there are any of them here this morning who do not know you, Lord Jesus, I pray that you'll open their eyes, that you'll bring them to that amazing knowledge of your truth, that they'll suddenly go, wow, and now I see, now I get it, now I understand, now I believe. Bring them to that living and dynamic faith in you. For those of us who are on the journey of discipleship, Lord, that we would grow in that discipleship, that we learn to be humble and gracious followers of you, day by day pursuing your purposes, being baptised, being filled with your Holy Spirit, living in fellowship with you, discovering the heart and purposes of God for where you have placed us, and servant-heartedly serving for the glory and the praise of your name. In Jesus' name, amen.